Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. Thank you for joining us. And guys, how are you? Uh, Doing good, Shad. I'm doing good. Glad to hear it. Thank you, everybody out there, for joining us for this episode. We'll get our shout-outs taken care of right here and now. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code 4CORNERSPODCAST. That is the number four, capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast, with no spaces. That will save you 10% off your order. And since today is the uh, marks one year since the passing of Shad Gaspard, they have put out a new shirt uh, for Shad Gaspard where all the money goes into a trust for his son. So even if you don't want to use our promo code, it's right there for you to do that with. And um, heck, I'll probably get one here soon myself. That's are really cool. Yeah. I didn't realize it's been a year already. Yeah. The I'll I'll be honest with you. It they have the oh, I forgot. They have a new Jack um uh a new Jack benefit shirt out there as well for his family. So if you're wanting to do um you know, if you want to do something to benefit those families, then they have options for that. Um, it, use our promo code. Don't use our promo code. Does it make me a bad anyway. person that I was legitimately kind of surprised that New Jack just went out quietly and not in some sort of a <laughs> criminal-based activity, either fighting or some other drunken mayhem? It's it's. Uh, you would kind of expect if you're going to say, you know, well. New Jack's going out. You'd kind of expect a mushroom cloud from wherever it was, wouldn't you? I am. Um, well, the joke I told a couple people is, um, I wonder if the people there had to do like the Klingon death cry to let the um, let the people in the afterlife know what they were in for. If uh, if, if people don't know the joke in Star Trek, so when a Klingon dies, all of their comrades there scream because they're letting um, the afterlife know a Klingon's coming. Yeah, the uh, if if there was a short list of people that that would be appropriate for, he'd be one of them. Didn't he just wrestle but, like he wrestled like super recently? I think too. Let me look. Did he? I I think maybe even like April. That's what I was. Thinking. I'm not sure, but looking at yeah, it right April now, April yeah. eighth for ICW. He and um, <clears throat> he lost to the Carnage Crew. Wow, Devito and Loke still wrestle. Wow. Wow. That was the first time he'd wrestled in like a year and a half. Wow. Before that, in September of 2019. Wow, 2019 feels like forever ago. It's like the it before does, time. It? He wrestled <laughs> for some uh, KFW. He defeat, defeated Keith Knox. I don't know who that is. So we're going to call that the uh, BCV era, before COVID era. Um, 
but the shirts are there. Shad Gaspard, um, white on red, and then the new Jack is the uh, on the black background. It's the new Jack camo uh, that he wore. So, <clears throat> you know, uh, you know, Shad, my wife's. Yep. Uh, stole one of my collar and elbow shirts the other day. Oh no! Which one? <laughs> she, uh, it's like just like the gray one with a, a gray like super soft T. Yeah. Which of the collar and elbow logo on it? Oh, that she, mirror uh, image she, one. Yeah, she was yeah. like looking for uh, she was looking for like a shirt to sleep in, and of course their uh, their cotton is actually very soft. So yeah, they're great. <laughs> she was uh, she she stole that one <laughs> to have something nice and 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 cozy to sleep in the other day. It's one of those things you you can't really say anything about. Cause you're like, uh, <clears throat> well, I appreciate it. Yeah. It. yeah, it's uh, comfortable. I, I understand. <laughs> it's comfortable. I get it. But you stole my shirt. Uh, no, I get it. My wife's. Uh, we've done kind of a tango around mine too. They're great shirts. They're super soft, super comfy. They they are worth every penny. Um, especially when you compare them with <clears throat> some other wrestling company shirts. So. Uh, that's our first shout-out. Our second shout-out means, Matt, who's that for? Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Um, you know, if Orlando Cologne ate a magic mushroom, he'd probably grow, too. <laughs> Matt, that sounds like a segue. That's a segue. Not the segue you might be thinking of at home. Yeah, that, that we're probably going to go in a different direction. So, um... <laughs> We did a couple months ago. It's been it's been longer than I think actually. We we did a we did a talk about the 8-bit, 16-bit, and like the pre Super Mario Brothers area Mario games. So we're gonna kind of do an episode today on post well Mario 64 to today. I think most of us have probably not played some of the newer ones as much. I think we'll have some some comments on some stuff, but like today we're gonna be kind of covering. I think Mario 64, uh, the Paper Mario games, the new Mario games, which I think are the best of the new stuff and what I've played the most of, and then might touch briefly upon Luigi's Mansion. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. So um, I think Mario 64 is an interesting entry into the series because it's kind of really almost as revolutionary as super mario brothers was because that for me that was like the first like really fully 3d game i ever played it's funny that uh, mario 64 was not only kind of the bellwether for where that era on the 64 went but it was it was the first big title for it and still one of the best titles for it yeah because i would say i would say other platformers never really got as close i'd say banjo kazooie was probably close to it but not quite as good yeah yeah um it's just fascinating and they did such cool new things with the new controls you know you'd figure it's like well we're doing the new mario game in this new setting and we're going to make it 3d it's like well we could just put the some basic stuff to it and and people are going to be they're going to be fine with that because it's a new Mario and that, but they, they did not rest on their laurels. They put in some hard work with new mechanics and switching up the play styles in a big way. I remember before it came out a couple months, I got, I don't know if it was through Nintendo power or if it was a Nintendo thing. Did you ever get like the, when it, when a big game was coming out, you get like the, the Nintendo <clears throat> produced like VHS tape. That's like a preview for it. 
no. with like gameplay. Yeah. So I got one from Mario sixty four. I wonder if I still have that. But um, so I got that probably a couple months before the, maybe a month before the N sixty four was gonna hit. Hmm. And just like really, what really struck me and still strikes me when I revisit that game, is just like the pure control you can do of Mario, like how you can do like a backflip, you can do like the jumps off of the. Like you can jump up walls, like if you if you time it right, um, you know the running jump. The, you know you can kind of do like the jump and then into the butt slam. If you're, yeah. you know, you can run like just right around in a circle if you do it right. And then even like the changes mid gameplay, like if you fight Bowser, you're trying to like get behind him and um, grab his tail and spin him and toss him. Yeah. You had the slide mechanic. Um, for some parts of the worlds where you just you just go belly down and slide your way down the ramp yeah. instead of running. The one thing I still the one thing that does upset me in this game and still does is if you get caught on fire and Mario's kind of just running around wildly and that usually leads to you dying in some <laughs> horrific fashion. To your doom. Yeah. Well, it's like the sage Pratchett once said. He said, if you build a man a fire, he stays warm for a day. If you set a man on fire, he stays warm for the rest of his life. Which is probably not for long. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, my, favorite, my favorite Discworld line ever is um, the wizard's telling the librarian he didn't understand anything about guerrilla combat. <laughs> If you, if you don't get the joke or haven't read Discworld, in, like, the first or second book, the librarian got turned into an orangutan. Yeah. Which he actually finds makes him a better librarian. Yeah. It makes he, sense in context. Yeah. They're worth, they're worth reading if you, if you haven't. Like, they're just delightful little satirical. Just just for the just for the, uh, the sake of argument, there first of all, there is a boatload of them. But they kind of fall into different... Um, there's like five mainish characters there's like the weird sisters which are just um kind of shakespearean witches and they do like a whole book on shakespeare there's the night watch um death uh rincewind that's like a failed wizard and then what was the other one uh two flower the first tourist he's only in the first two books no he's in a he's in a third book somewhere okay well my favorite of them are the books featuring death. That's the Grim Reaper who incidentally likes humans quite a bit, and the the uh, the Night Watch books. The one of my favorite gags out of the Night Watch books, it, trolls in in the Discworld are all they're made of stone, and so the hotter it gets, the dumber they get. The colder it gets, the smarter they get. But where Ankh-Morpork stays this steady, uh, humid, high temperature, they stay kind of dumb. Well. Detritus or Detritus is a, a troll who got recruited, and he's standing in front of this, this crowd with his giant, uh, with his giant club and his giant. It, it's his crossbow, but it's it's really a siege crossbow that crossbow that he picked up somewhere and just carried around with him. Um, he hold, he's standing in front of the crowd and goes, "This here's the right act," and he goes, "I'm gonna read you the right act," and he goes to open it. And remembers he can't read and says, we're going to pass around the riot act so you can all be read the riot act. And it's just this dumb little joke, but it tickles me so much. My, my wife and I still do from moving pictures, Gaspode the dog. 
Okay. So he gets regular human intelligence, but he still tries to act like a dog. So he voices like his emotions. So he'll be like growl with low tones of menace, but he said that's him literally saying growl with low tones of menace. <laughs> and they discover popcorn and they call it bang gr- banged grain, mm-hmm. which makes me laugh. The last one I read was going postal, which was, it's funny because it, it's a story about, Reestablishing a post office, making stamps and venture capitalism all rolled in together. And it is a lot of fun to read. I I say this and you're going to be like, yeah, whatever. But no, seriously, it's a lot of fun to read. Well, and they're they're interesting, though, in how satirical they are, but they can turn around and like punt you right in the gut with like a really touching ending to something. Mm-hmm. The like, ending to the Hogfather um, is is one of my favorites because. I'll go ahead. I'm not going to tell you why he says this, but death looks at his granddaughter and it makes sense. But he's like the little lies that we tell the children are the important ones. She had been making this cause about telling them the truth and what's real and what's concrete. He goes, by your definition, what's real is what you can touch and hold. Grind down the entire universe and show me one molecule of truth, one atom of honor, one speck of dignity. By your definition, these are lies, but we see them as important to teach kids. And I'm just like, oh, that's such a good line. So anyway, uh, I, um, oh, I, I was just going to say, like, I have not read any of those books, but I have like quite a few. It's kind of like on my very, very, very large to read book yeah. <laughs> list of books. Um, I am uh, very sad that he passed away recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can. um you can down those books pretty quick, though. Most of them are pretty short. I'm going to warn you. Or at least a quick read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not, they don't have chapters. So you're just mm-hmm. going to have to find a place you're happy to stop if you have to stop in the middle. There's of usually it. breaks in scenes, though. You can usually. There, can there usually... are, yes. But me being, I don't a, a, a classical reader with gargantuan things like the wheel of time and then it's like i'm going through discworld i'm like okay i just gotta get to the chapter i just gotta get to the chapter i just got and i'm like where's the chapter break and it's like they're just at least it's not like Anne rice stuff where she writes like a paragraph to her is like 10 pages and you haven't even gotten to a paragraph break yeah 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 that put me off her pretty quick yeah and i read i my i read interview with a vampire it's the only thing i've read by her and like you would have to go 12 pages sometimes to get to a paragraph break and just be like, can you just put a paragraph in here? Like, what the could hell? Could you just, could you please not? Like, and she goes, she makes that big pride about not having an editor and it's like, you really need an editor. Yeah. So, um. Oh, and uh, Matt, more, um. Oh. He did mm-hmm. this with Neil Gaiman, but Good Omens is a solid book to read and the, um, the TV show is excellent. I read Good Omens many, many years ago because I went through uh, I went through a phase where I was trying to read everything that that Neil wrote, at least uh, up to a certain point. Um, I haven't read I haven't read a lot of Neil's like more modern stuff. No, I think um, I've read that by him, and I read American Gods, which I thought was excellent, and I actually want to reread that. And I have not read the um, I, I had such good intentions, I just haven't got to it yet. I haven't read the no- novella he did that's kind of like a follow-up. Is it like a follow-up or a side story to America? Are you talking about Anon Seaboys? Yeah. 
Uh, I think it's its own novel. Um, I think it is kind of uh, connected, but I don't think it is like exactly a sequel. Oh, okay. Uh, I want to say I there is a there is a, a, a TV show based on American Gods on Stars, and they did three seasons. I think they just said, announced that the third season was the last one. The third after they basically after the third season aired, I think they announced like well that that was it. Um, my wife and I watched the first two seasons, and I don't see the need to, <laughs> to watch the third one. It got it got pretty bad pretty quickly. See, you you're know what, good, huh? Where I think American the, Gods mm-hmm. make I don't I wouldn't want a series that kind of did the main story. I think if you did an anthology series set in the in the American Gods world, that's where I think it would work best. Mm-hmm. Just like maybe visit off to these side gods that are living like a regular life. Like, you know, like the taxi driver story could be like a little 15 or 20 minute segment and like a in like an anthology series. Like some of those like side stories I thought were decent. Yeah. But I think his magnum opus and he probably wince is uh, the Sandman comic. It's I still I think. I think Neil's really good, um, but I he's he's done a lot of good stuff. But I I would agree. I think I think his his run on Sandman is actually probably his best work. Which is not to say that the rest of his stuff isn't good. It's just like that was so like was so like iconic. So I think they still are intending to. I think it's still supposed to be like a Sandman series or something that's out there, or it's it's in development. I think. Which I'm not really looking forward it's to. It's been in development for a long stinking time, I think. I think they're pushing forward with it again. They've, I, 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 um, I don't get excited for anything DC does. I actually have to admit I was shocked because my wife and I have been watching the Harley Quinn TV show, mm-hmm. and I've been shocked at the love and care that whoever writes that show and it's a, it's a satirical show meant to be stupid, and they should show more love <laughs> and care for like the cast members of like Batman and his rogues gallery than like the movies do. Like we were just watching an episode we're today. Blow up the movies. Yeah. Bane is hilarious in it. But like, so, so poison <laughs> Ivy and kite man are getting married and they were trying to get this wedding hall. And it turns mm-hmm. out like kite man and the condiment King are like rivals. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is so brilliant to make the two lamest villains <laughs> like rivals of each other. And like condiment King was just like an obnoxious douche. That's what he was in his first appearance. Yeah, it's just it, it's. I really... relish this opportunity. And then like um, just like Bane's hilarious in that um, I'm trying to think who else is like Shark King is um Ron Funches, which has a wrestling mm-hmm. tie-in, is pretty funny and just just like the people they dig up and like Jim Gordon's funny and they just introduced Batgirl who's kind of a over excited fangirl they do all that and at least from the first season stuff i got to watch they still can keep some drama going too like incredibly goofy and yet still have some drama pop up that you're just like oh snap well and there was a subplot towards the end of season one where joker was paying this guy at like a squishy stand to write bane's name on his drink is bang every day and then Bane wanted to blow up the squishy stand. Bane, Bane wants to blow up everything. 
And he's also he never gets the joke, which I just love that. Um, and there I had was a like um, like that. And Aquaman was in an episode, and he was hilarious. I don't remember the exact line, but it was hilarious because he did a that's what she said joke, but he said it in a very <laughs> weird way. And then he fist bumps a dolphin that jumps out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> and they have um they have the guy that voiced it's the voice of Batman that did um that did the Batman from Batman Brave and the Bold. Okay. Uh, Dietrich Bader? Yeah, he's he's the Batman voice in this one. Oh, wow. So basically what you're telling me is that they probably just threw – they did this like Harley Quinn series, and pro- the, the, the executives probably didn't pay that much attention to it. So they basi- basically they hired someone who actually loved and cared for the characters, and this person has just been getting away with making it like an excellent – show yeah that exactly. is that's like true true to form and true to the comic book and it's like under people's radar because because of that well that it, sounds like it's mm-hmm. also typical warner brothers that they shoved it on a streaming service when they could have probably put that on adult swim and and yeah, um wider uh yeah wider, wider audience because season two season two is no man's <laughs> land like they oh they, wow they wow. put that in the comic and um, they just had Batman, like, come out of a coma, and, like, he and Alfred were getting into this huge thing because he wanted to go fight crime, and Alfred's like, you can't, sir, you're too injured. And he, like, throws these socks off, like, go ahead, put them on. And <laughs> Batman's, like, doing this, like, douchey, like, me, 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 like, behind his back. <laughs> it's good. It's worth your time. It's 26 episodes right now, and it got renewed for a third season, but if you haven't watched it yet, it's on HBO Max, um... It's pretty funny. It takes a couple episodes because you got to get her story going. But um, it's it it's not what I expected. I thought it was going to be a super girl power thing, and really, it's Harley Quinn's a raging dumbass, and Poison Ivy's trying to is the the one that has like the common trying sense. to steer her in a constructive direction. And then she gets a crew of like Clayface and um some other people, and they're all idiots too. So Mario 64, um, bring us back over to it. So uh, th- there's actually a direct sequel to it that came out for the Switch, which is uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Oh, is that? I didn't know that was a direct sequel. It plays a lot like it. Now I that say it's was a spiritual um, sequel. That was the one featuring Cappy, right? Yeah. Okay, I know we're skipping over. Um, GameCube with sunshine, but I, I want to tell this story is my nephew. Um, I've got a nephew. He, he's a good little kid, loves Mario. And so for Christmas, I don't know, a year or two ago, when, whenever it wasn't long after it came out, but he would, he would play for as long as he was allowed to play. And then, you know, it's like, okay, no, you've played long enough. You got to do other stuff. So the other thing he'd play is he'd run around the house and jump over things and shout Cappy and like, fl- you know, make like he was flinging something. So for Christmas, I one of the few times in my life I've I've gone into GameStop and got him a cappy and I made him promise when he got it that he didn't throw it at things that would break and apparently he has lived up to it but he still sleeps with that thing on the post of his bed. Oh, that's funny. So, so yeah, yeah, that's kind of a spiritual successor. I think that one's good. You can really kill a lot of hours on that one trying to find all the little moons. The in the original 64, I had a friend who was 
way into it. Like he got it and he loved it and that sort of stuff. But then his cousin uh, lived with him. And the problem was his cousin liked hearing Peach, uh, her her monologue at the beginning, because he had a massive crutch on Princess Peach. And so my friend would leave an empty safe for him. He's just like, anytime you want to do that, just use this one over here. And he'd get what – there's, what, 101 stars you can collect, I think? He'd get to like 98. Yeah, okay. He'd get to like almost there, and then his cousin would erase the game so that he could hear her monologue on that slot. Because I think and, what – I think what um, – I think if you got all of them, you could get to some spot on the roof and Yoshi was up there. Yoshi helped you get the last ones, or a bunch of the the last ones, I think, but uh, I don't remember exactly. Anyway, um, I had that happen to me. Um, on the original Zelda, I had like two dungeons left, and a cousin deleted my save. So have they found the body yet? No. <laughs> All right. This is back in the day before the internet, and I was like 10, so it took a long time to get to that point. I mean, I can, if I did a run through of Legend of Zelda now, I think I did it a couple years ago in maybe 10 hours. Mm hmm. Something like that. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I, that, that pre internet phase, that was rough because you were trying to figure out everything for yourself. Because especially like the original Mario Brothers, you had that like you had to run the last, um, the last Bowser castle in like a certain sequence, and um, that was really hard to know if you didn't. I mean, of course the schoolyard got you most of the information you needed. If you didn't have that one kid who was who was feeding you bad information just for kicks. Or um, if you you might run into a Nintendo Power that had it or be able to get a guide, but um. Not everything had a guide, and they also had, like, the helplines, but that was prohibitively expensive, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was. I never talking, did it, but I had a friend who did. They are talking about, um, I think it was Shane Bentonhausen on an episode of Retronauts, like, a decade ago, was talking about, he called one once for Fantasy Star, mm -hmm. and they sent him, like, a printout of the dungeon, because one guy was making a joke about how, like, most of that stuff's easy, but then it's like, someone calls you that, it's like, yeah, get the book. Because <laughs> you don't know, like, Fantasy Star, I don't know if it was two or one. It might have been one. So if it was one, that was a first person. It was an over. If you're in the overworld, it was like a top-down game, but when you went into dungeons, it became a first-person dungeon crawler. And, oh, uh, I remember that. And if, yeah. you, if you play the Sega Ages version, they have an auto-mapper now. But back in the day, if you had a first-person dungeon crawler, you had to get out the graph paper yeah. and map it for yourself. Yeah, you did. But then oh, two, gosh. 2 still had a lot of stuff that were, like, features in, like, a top-down dungeon that, like, a first-person dungeon. So they still had, like, the pitfall traps that had drop you to other floors. So even 2 was, like, confusing. Yeah, that was... It, it, Games of that era were especially tough, just because you're sitting there trying to make the the best story I have about that time frame was that um, my cousins had a copy of Simon's Quest, and we that game by the way is just intensely frustrating. Because the people if you don't lie believe, to you. 
Yeah, well, if you if you don't understand it, AVGN covered it in one of his first episodes. It's intensely frustrating. It doesn't make any sense. We finally got to the point where we had accumulated, and they lived in Iowa. Like, this is like a, a long trip for us to go hang out with them and that sort of stuff. One, one visit, we finally got to the point where we had like a bunch of weapons saved up. We had the upgraded whips. We were just trying to figure out basically how to do the stupid uh, use the crystal and crouch in the corner till the tornado comes thing. And then someone, we had the passcode written on an index card in the little basket that kept all their game stuff in, and someone spit their gum in the index card on the side with the writing. Oh. The worst and it was is, just... The worst is in those old games, too, like, especially if you weren't smart when you wrote it down, and they were... Because they didn't have the wherewithal to not use zeros and O's. Yeah. So if you weren't smart about differentiating those, like, you might write a passcode down and then not remember what it... Act, not be able to actually use it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Now, I think the next one is Mario. Well, so then also in this era, Paper Mario hit, which is like the spiritual successor to um, Mario RPG. I think uh, Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door are really good. Actually, I think Thousand Year Door is really good, but they've um, they've gone some weird directions with Paper Mario. Yeah, have you um, have you played the new one? I have not. I've yes, heard. Um... The new one's interesting mm-hmm. because the battles are kind of puzzles. They're kind of fun. I heard a criticism recently, or read a criticism, I guess I should say, that it's a good game, but that the the boss fights are uh, curiously difficult. Like yeah. it, like the game itself isn't that difficult until you get to the bosses, and the boss fights are like very challenging. Like there were, there's like a dissonance there where it's like, how is the game like so normal, and then the boss fights are so difficult. Yeah, I can see that. It kind of took those took a di- weird divergent path because you have the portable systems have Mario and Luigi, which are mm-hmm. they're more like um, I'd say Mario RPG, and then you have the Paper Mario games, which have gone a little more actiony. Mm-hmm. So it's weird that they've never really done like a direct sequel to Mario RPG. They've just kind of like done these like half steps with it. I never played any of the Paper Mario stuff, so I got nothing on that. I feel like I played the first one, but not the one since then. The first two are good. Thousand Year Door for GameCube is probably the best one if you want to play one. I would recommend though, if you're gonna if you want to get into like something that's Mario RPG ish, I would say Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. And um, Inside Bowser's Story are probably the best. I actually wanted to talk about that one because that one, I remember um, I had that one for the Game Boy Advance and I absolutely loved it. Um, did they did they re-release that for Switch? Is it they available for Switch? They did a port of it. They did a remake of it for 3DS, 3DS. Ah. two years ago. I, have, I actually have a – I still need to mail it to you. I have a spare copy of it for you uh, for uh gba oh for gba wow yeah, yeah I, I have two copies i don't know how i got I, two copies i think i bought a copy I of it because it was cheap and then i i pulled like a bag out of like some corner of a closet i'm like oh look gba games like oh i bought that recently it's like yes. how i ended up with two copies of um mm-hmm. wrestlemania 2000 
is I bought the first one I got um, off of a friend of mine. And then I had it, but I didn't get to play it because um, that was the summer before my freshman year of college. And I didn't take the 64 with me to college. Um, and then I went to a flea market and found it for like five bucks. And I'm like, oh, cool. I haven't played this. It's true. I, I hadn't played it, but um, I did. I do have two copies, so not not quite what I meant to do. That's kind of the forgotten of those um, Aki Engine games. I I love every one of those. All all four of them that were released in the states. I love every one of them. I still think um, um, WCW vs NWO Revenge is the best one. There's some. I know everyone says No Mercy, but there's some ticks to No Mercy that I don't like. You mean like how uh, about a third of the consoles had that reset your create a character while you're doing a career thing? Uh, no, I meant more like it doesn't feel as responsive as the other games. Like there's something like it feels like you can really feel that it's straining just the system at that point. Like it feels uh. like the system can barely handle it. Even I don't know because I had the RAM upgrade on my 64 i did too so i don't know even know how that would play without that or if that even affects it but i feel like it doesn't okay it didn't change anything i tested it once but it just feels like it just feels like it just feels like the system is like straining under its own weight at that point yeah you'd have to if you were doing a royal rumble you'd have to eliminate two or three guys at once to get the frame rate back up because once they're capped out then they don't enter somebody new until you pitch someone but uh, I just I, WCW NWO Revenge was great. I just wish they had a create a character mode. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted that so badly. Um, I love create a character modes in wrestling. They that just tickles me to no end. I absolutely agree with you there. That's why I really, really, really wish there would be like a a Fire Pro game for the Switch. Like I honestly I wouldn't even care about. I mean, I would love a new one, but you don't even have to. Just like, just port over one of the older games. Like, there's two Game Boy Advance games. You could port either one of those over. You could do uh, Fire Pro Wrestling Returns that came out for the PS2. They could a few do years World back. and put the New Japan and Stardom <laughs> um, expansions on there to buy. I wish. Uh, there, there is a subreddit that's in 64 wrestling games, and there are people who are, are doing, you know, they've done create a character updates and mod packs and that sort of stuff. But I have not yet figured out how to play them on my PC, and I'm still trying to suss that out, which is probably for the best because otherwise I'd probably spend entirely too much time doing that and making creator wrestlers of all of my different gimmicks on it. Mm-hmm. But I, I haven't done that in a long time. Uh, I knew I used to know how to. I used to have a program at least for the NES and Super Nintendo ROMs that would let me uh, patch them with translation packages. Because yeah. that's how I played. Um, I had to translate. I had to put the patch on for... Um, have either of you guys ever heard of Super Robot Wars? I've I heard have heard of that, it. yes. So it's essentially, it's essentially like a turn-based strategy game that's like a giant crossover of like anime mechas. So you okay. have like Gundams, like uh, Mazinger Z, um, all of that stuff fighting in like a story-based game. So like 
they have one what's it called there's there's a i because i they never come out here so like i imported the the switch the switch uh, game that came out a couple years ago so that one has like mazinger your gundams and then they brought in the 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 fighter jet from cowboy bebop okay and um they're fun little games um especially if you like uh, turn-based strategy games like i do and giant mechas like i do i do love turn-based strategy but um the uh yeah if it, it would probably be best or i would love to figure it out it might be best if i don't <laughs> those are those are those aren't like you just pick your ones and you have goals to get more points and um it's they're fun but they're not it's not like it's not like playing final fantasy tactics where like you can like switch their job classes and you're sitting there grinding just to get your like super pimped out like um guy with the exact right abilities to make him like broken yeah or um my other favorite turn-based strategy series which is disgaea which actively encourages you to break the game oh yeah yeah i've never played that one either for for talk for a Mario episode, we're going off the rails quite a bit. <laughs> it's still video game related. That that's true. That's true. Now it's I have to amusing. say, I I just got the set for my Switch, but I've never played Mario Sunshine because that came out really. That's the weird one that came out like super late in the GameCube life cycle. Like I feel like the GameCube had been out two or three years. It felt like the GameCube had been out forever. It, it had been out. You're you're right. About two or three years is right. Um, there was a guy that lived down the hall from me in college, who we would get together in his room and have um, uh, Super Smash Brothers. Was it Melee for the GameCube? Yeah. We would have. We would just have you know um, party matches. You know, four people on it, and then everyone's got a different high score for something right yeah, it's a, one guy had the, the highest score for damage taken before eliminated one person had the highest number of eliminations and, you know that sort of stuff and everybody had their specialty characters and so on and so forth um but they got he got sunshine it it felt like yeah the gamecube had been out for a while because i remember so, it came out and like it just felt like the system was long in the tooth by the time it came out. Because Melee actually came out really quick. Yeah, I think it was a launch title, wasn't it? No, I think it was just or pretty right close. after. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was still... I never I never played it. My brother had it, and he really enjoyed it. It was, it was still a good game, innovative controls, different, you know, real different play style, that sort of stuff. But um, just not one I ever... The the weird the water thing was like weird to me. I'm just like this doesn't feel like a Mario game to me. I you know every every so often Mario games work to come up with you know a new mechanic, and that's that's really what it was. Is they were just trying a new mechanic out. Now where I really got back into Mario in a big way that was when the new games came out. This started on the DS, and then they did one for Wii, and then they did a sequel on 3DS. So what these are, oh, and I guess they did, um, Wii U did like a Mario and a Luigi one, which I played. But these are kind of like odes to the olden days of Mario. 
Was this what some friends of mine referred to as Super Mario Divorce? Uh, what? Where, <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that. But. Yeah. Well, it, it was it was kind of like playing Little Big Planet. You could do cooperative stuff, or you could just get the other person killed. Oh yeah. By yeah, like yeah. scrolling yeah. the screen too far or painting them. Yeah, because them. um, there's a funny story. It was a, I think it was a Retronaut story. It was um, Andrew Fitch maybe. Okay. Um, was telling a story that one of those games was coming out, and he got to go on stage and play one of these with uh, Miyamoto. Yeah. And he's like, there I am on the stage with like my idol and my god, and he thinks it's absolutely fucking hilarious to kill me over and over again. <laughs> so he's like, I'm on here with my idol, and he's giggling like an idiot, throwing me into this pit over and over and over again. <laughs> And it's still one of my favorite stories of all time, just because it's just such a perfect tale. What are you going to say to him, right? I know. Like, he knows full well. You're not going to say anything. I've never played those. I've played those mostly as a single player, but they're, they're pretty much odes to, like, old school Mario. They're really well built, like, really great platformers. Um, stick to, like, the tradition. They usually bring in, like, I think they brought in, like, the Koopa Kids for a game. And um, it does some innovative stuff with it. So I've I've enjoyed all of those that I've played. Have you have any of you played like the new titled ones? No, I sure have. No. But like I said, I had some friends that referred to it as Super Mario Divorce. Um, it was a rather prophetic joke. It was like Chip so. and Dale's Rescue Rangers. Uh, well, let's just say that that joke ended up coming true twice. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, kind of awkward never, on the side. I've never been a griefer in games. I didn't even grief my Sims that much. Um, I think I only played Sims once, so I don't really remember. There were a lot of lost um, nights of sleep in college to the Sims. Just I don't know. Didn't feel like didn't feel like my jam. So I never really got into it. I got into like the skin side, so make like houses of like Marvel characters, like houses of wrestlers. I heard stories about the the serial killer house that someone made. Jason Voorhees and Freddy and yeah. Michael Myers and, and what ends up happening is it turns out that Jason's the the most lethal of them all because he set the house on fire trying to make breakfast one day. I had a, I had a sim do that once. They they're using the microwave and they set the house on fire. That's like I I get that it's funny, uh, you know, after the fact. But if you consider that like an in-universe thing, that is like startlingly dumb. Well, he didn't have any he didn't have any points in his cooking ability. I, I suppose I can't really say too much. My my wife went to high school with. Uh, hope I hope she doesn't care that I tell this story, but um, went to high school with uh, this girl she knew, and um, she, this is the same this is the same girl that ended up putting a ran over a stop sign and put the uh, the post through the floor of her car, Ugh. but she set. The ha- she set the kitchen on fire because she took a micro- uh, a frozen pizza and just 
threw it in the oven without taking the cardboard off the bottom of the pizza. So um, the cardboard caught on fire, and her answer to that was, I didn't know you were supposed – I thought you were supposed to keep it on there to cook it. So, you know, this is the the – this, the, the other story is that her sister got out of her car and used the remote lock because that was new at the time to lock it before she got out. And so she was she went into like this full bore panic mode thinking she was locked in the car and couldn't get out. Wow. <laughs> it's funnier to hear my wife tell it, but I don't laugh because it's it's in abstract for me. And I just I, I can't comprehend that kind of thought pattern. Now there is one I want to talk about for switch and, um, this is free to play. So Matt, if it sounds interesting, you can try this one after the show, but it's called Mario 35. So what this is, Uh, I've heard of that. I have not, I've not played that. So this is, is it's, um, it's the original Mario game. So it's like a speed run kind of, so you're on a timer, you're running against 35 other people and um, you're running the levels, but they could be in any random order that they happen to be in. But you can control it somewhat. So, like, if you go to 1, 2, and you you go over the, the warp zone, and you can pick. So it, the idea is to outlive people. But, you know, if you, get, if you know what you're doing, you can kind of run the same couple of levels over and over again. So the idea is then as you kill stuff you are aiming at another person and this is this is most of this is auto done but if people are going through these enemies are getting kind of pushed to other people's boards so like when you're a couple minutes in and you're getting down to the wire like you might have like five bowsers and one one just hanging out <laughs> and um you know you can spend money to get a random power up so like you might just like star through it but you get time as you kill enemies but then the time goes down and down like it starts going faster and faster, but it's it's really fun. And the more you know, like the original Mario Brothers game, the more it re- rewards you. Like I'm actually surprisingly decent at it. Usually, if I'm playing, I can finish like top five most times. If I don't mm. like do something stupid, and I mean it's Mario, you invariably have that. Oh, I went to do that jump, but I just fell into the pit. Yeah, you can just get your timing off. I've never finished first though. The best I've ever done is second. And I was quite upset, but it's a fun game. I recommend it. It's free to play. Um, it's a good way to just do a couple runs here and there. They're pretty quick. And um, especially if you love Mario and you know the game pretty well, um, it rewards you for knowledge, like knowing where the shortcuts are and like where you can pick warp zones, because that kind of lets you control your own destiny because you don't always know what's going to happen when you go through like a pipe that's not like <clears throat> a, a, like, you hit the end of a stage and it doesn't tell you where you're going next because you could go anywhere. Uh, do you still have that on your on your Switch? Yes. Okay, I'm. I actually just looked it up because I I thought I had read something recently and uh, apparently I was correct. On April first, it was discontinued. No. Yeah, it follow, It says that. I guess the the press release that was released by Nintendo was that. Um, it was intended for the 35th anniversary celebration of Mario. That's why it was released. And I guess now they've discontinued it. That's uh, supposed to be a limited time. It seems uh, foolish, but 
It it was always populated when I played it. I hadn't played it for like the last couple of weeks we were moving, but um, it was always heavily populated. You never had trouble getting the game. That's lame. So is there any of like newer Mario games that you guys have like played or enjoyed? Truth be told, the only things that I have played in the last number of years that are even Mario adjacent have been newer versions of Smash and Kart. And I haven't even played the newest Kart, like hardly at all. Oh, Mario Kart is <laughs> genius. Oh, is it? It is amazing. I would like to, but it just hasn't come up. My wife and I, I between I have, the Wii uh, U and uh, Switch have probably put three or four hundred hours into that game. Wow. Because when, when COVID first hit, we were doing like online Saturday night parties from like seven to nine every week for like the first mm-hmm. three months of COVID lockdowns. Uh-huh. So um, we would start a room up and people would come in. You could have up to, I think you could have up to eight people in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What were you going to say, um, Matt? Um, yeah, past like the Game Boy Advance, there's a lot of stuff that I, um, a lot of Mario games that I just did not because I owned a Wii for a time, but I didn't really do a lot with it. Um, and then I didn't, I have, I did not do the, uh, I did not do the Wii U or the 3DS. Um, I had the Switch though. So it's like, I, there's like a huge gap of Mario games that I've not played so there's like a it's like a kind of like a wide like several years gap. Like I played a, a ton of the the Game Boy Advance games that that they put out there, but not a lot of Mario stuff until the Switch. Um, but there's some for the Switch. I have like quite a few games like Mario. Uh, I have Mario Kart for the Switch. I have <clears throat> see I have like Luigi's Luigi's Mansion. I just bought the 3D All Stars game. Um, but if you have, or if you have played any, what do you recommend from like the Switch? Because I'm, I'm actually, in, I'm actually looking to buy a new Mario game, but I'm kind of debating like Super Mario Odyssey versus what's the other one? Super 3D Mario Bros. World. 3D. Yeah. So I played 3D or, World when it was Wii Super U. Mario Bros. U, U or U um, Deluxe. So, so Super Mario Wii U Deluxe will be. It'll be like a new Mario game, so it'll be a, a 2D platformer, and it's mm-hmm. really good. And then it'll have, I think, the Luigi one, which is the same levels, just made harder, and you're using Luigi. So that one's good if you want like a traditional approach. Um, 3D World is it's kind of like a 3D Mario 2 because you have Mario, Luigi, Toad, and Peach's selectables. Um, I find that one is pretty good, and you have a lot of fun with that. I would say I would say honestly, probably if I had to choose between the three, I'd pick Odyssey. Okay. Because Odyssey is very, Odyssey feels like you're playing a modern Mario 64, and there's just a wide variety of stuff to do. I think the throwing the caps fun, and um, the story's fun with like Bowser in his um, his sweet duds. <laughs> and um I, I would i would recommend that i would say that one and then i would say oh man i'd probably take world over new but that's a tough one yeah i'm actually really interested in getting 
Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury, like that, that one. It's hard because the Switch has so much good stuff on it right now. Oh, I'm I'm going to get, I will say this. I will get all these games at some point. It's just like, what am I going to get first? It, at some point, uh, for me to get a Switch, I would have to stop playing the same PC games I keep playing and, and actually put down the money to go buy a Switch, which I had I felt compelled to do during the height of the COVID quarantine, but then they were, everybody else felt the same way. You could, you, I, I had to find two other ones during the thing. If you knew, if you, if you knew like where you could find a podunk target, you could get one if you really needed one. Um, mm, but not really. Uh, if you get just the light, it's only 200 bucks, which um, I find is really nice as an adult because it's nice to have something that you can um, just kind of pick you. up and, turn off when you need to and pick right back up um the selections of games are amazing on it like they've like indie devs have really come to the the forefront on switch like you can get a lot of stuff on there Mm -hmm. i will uh i'll add chat kind of like go along with what brad is saying and sweeten sweeten the pot like to entice you like i would say i have a lot of games on the switch yeah. Um. And I probably I've I've literally only scratched the surface. It's like a drop in the bucket of what's out there. But I I have quite a few. Uh. And I would say of the ones that I have, probably like seventy five percent of them, a good seventy five percent are just like smaller indie releases. Uh. It because stuff is is actually like super affordable. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking like. There's always sales too. There, God, there's like sales every week. Yeah. On stuff. <laughs> Sounds like my Steam profile. And it's like, it, well, it's it, it kind of is like Steam, where it's like if you want like a nice, uh, like indie, um, or smaller uh, game that like an RPG or something that you're actually going to have like quite a few. You're gonna you're gonna sink like quite a few hours of of time into it. Like that, you can find that like pretty frequently for like. 15 20 dollars yeah and if you if you want to go big budget Mm -hmm. like you could waste hundreds of hours on fire emblem three houses in the dlc for that yeah i get really i got what i'm gonna drop a lot of time into is the problem so i don't know i don't know how i mean heck most of the stuff that pops on my uh on my steam queue right now they're like Oh, you play this, so would you like this? I'm like, no, no, don't want more of that. Want something like uh, I've played so much BattleTech over quarantine that mm-hmm. I'm just I'm like, oh god, I would love that. But Hairbrain has been like, well, we're not we're not making another one because they had to crowdsource to get the money to do the one they did. Um, and they're like, well, no, we're gonna we're gonna make some other stuff. Um. Which and I'm just like ah oh. and then where I was playing Dead by Daylight they're like oh you like Dead by Daylight would you like House of the Horrible Kitten Stompers or something I'm like no no I, I no I don't want anything to do with that it's like oh but you like horror games it's like no 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 I liked that one don't don't try and throw me a whole genre based off of one game right like could you please point me at some and then oh my god. My Steam um, recommendations have just been popping up with – I can't remember what it's called, but they're like the – the. I'm going to use the term weird, like anime dating game things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm just like, no. 
I have why I have never expressed an interest in anything like this. Why are you? What are you doing? Just no, stop. I, I can't remember what it's called because I guess I've tried to. There are different genres of it because there's there's ones meant for men and ones meant for women. The more hardcore dating ones are usually meant for women. I think it starts with an O. I I don't know. Um, I. I when when they first showed up, I was like, "What in the world are these?" And then Magikarp and Markiplier had done some plays of it, and I was like, "Okay, let's let's see what this is like." And then, like five minutes in, I'm just like, "I am never playing this." Oh my god, this this makes me feel skeezy just hearing the dialogue in this game. Do you, do you want to know the delicious irony of the current video game console market, though? What's that? <laughs> So when when Sony moved their like video game division to California, they're actually more prudish and more censorious now than Nintendo is. Nintendo's like bring all your big anime titty games over to us, like and we'll sell it. And Sony's like Sony's like no titty's bad. And it's just hilarious that 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 they've like totally like 180'd each other. Where Nintendo's like yeah, bring all your smut and horniness over here, and Sony's like no. I I just I don't know I I just don't know what to I will say this Shad yeah and here's how I'm gonna sell you on the Switch there's nothing mm-hmm. better to be like you know what like I have a half hour and I'm before I'm gonna like really like try and go to sleep I'm going to lay in bed and play my Switch for a half hour. Uh... It's a good investment. It really is. It's something that, again, you can get a lot of games for it, like very cheap, and you can. It. it I think it has. It has a long, long like life, like cycle. I think. Like it, you're gonna be playing games on the Switch, probably for like. Years. I have so much stuff on the Switch that it would probably take me like years to get through it all. And you really still have and, the issues I, on again, the light. I have like only scratched the surface of the stuff. What's, have, like, what's the issues on the light? The the controller drift. That's on the that's on the Joy-Con, which the light does not have. Yes. Okay. But they, ha- uh, I mean, that, you'd, you'd have I, access. I have that issue. You'd have access to Final Fantasy seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna soapbox for a second. Sure. Uh, Final Fantasy seven, I knew, I just never got on. I don't know. I don't know. It just like six slash three in North America. Like I enjoyed that one. I guess I enjoyed the sprite style of it. And that's, but then seven, I was like, Ooh, wow, this is, this is no, I'm not, I I don't know. I I wasn't digging it. It was just, I don't know. The art style was just kind of off putting for me. Nine would be more your speed. Eight, eight. I, I watched some let's plays of, and I was just like, Oh my God. Can I, I, I think I hate every character in this game. It's a weird um, game. It's very And divisive. then I played 10, and I really liked the combat system in 10, like the swapping characters in and out. And I didn't have – at the time, I was just kind of doing whatever with the, the sphere grid for unlocking stuff. So that probably could have been done better. But, oh, my God, I wanted to drown Titus in a bathtub, which, bo- according to the him. lore – According to the lore, that game would take you like 45 minutes, but still. I didn't mind him because, I mean, he was like in a really crappy situation. Like, so I kind of understand why he was a bit of a douche. 
Um, I thought Waka was a bigger douche than he was. Oh well, they were they were both terrible, and you know. Well, and uh, the nice thing though that some of these remasters have done, and um, I think most of the older Final Fantasies do it now. So when you go into like battle, they have like a speed up option where you can play the battles at like one point five speed or like two, they're double speed. Dragon Quest Eleven does that too. Yeah. Which makes that, it really easy, and you can like blow through the game easier. Some of those were kind of, were rough in how long they took. Most um, of them are remasters, though, and not straight up ports. Like the loading's a little better, and stuff like that. Yeah, in playing ten, I got all the way to the top of Mount Gagazet and beat Seymour Flux, and then I just. I dropped the controller after I beat him. I dropped the controller in disgust. Cause I was just like, you know what? Nope. I'm not doing this anymore. It, Cause he had the, it, it wasn't just like the, the zombie reflect move that he would do to automatically kill party members. But if you did basically, if you did something he didn't like, he would just flip the table and drop a spell that kills all of you in one go. And I'm just, I finally beat him and I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I, I don't I don't want to play this anymore. I haven't played I, it in no, so I've been twenty years now. Yeah, that this is gonna be the thing that gets us hate mail. It's gonna be it's like, <laughs> Hey, you, you're fucked no matter what you say about a Final yeah. Fantasy game. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Hey, there was a reviewer that I watched. He was the first person I saw tee off on Final Fantasy eight. And he, this was like in the early days of YouTube, like no one paid attention to him. Then he started teeing off on Final Fantasy VIII because he just, he hated it so much. He got a message that read something to the effect of, I hope you get hit by a truckload of cancer. That sounds pretty early 2000s internet, I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, I guess but, mid-2000s yeah. if it was YouTube. I was I was like, well, that, 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 uh. That that sounds like Final Fantasy. <laughs> but honestly, like honestly, like, and I mean, I, it's the same thing Matt's saying though. Is you could like every genre is represented there well. Like you can find, you could find a easily you could find five or six games that would well, appeal to you for. I mean, I'm playing um, Saga Frontier Remastered on there right now. Well, I will I will put that in the back of my mind and we'll see what happens with it. Um, I had we had a plan for for my wife for Mother's Day and then it didn't get to work out because of scheduling and I can't very well be like, hey, I want you to drop two three hundred dollars on my Father's Day gift just because when you haven't even gotten your Mother's Day gift yet. <laughs> a little stuck behind the eight ball on that one. And it's also, I think where it works, and I think Matt would agree with this though, is like an adult, like when things come up, it's really nice just that you can hit the power button and then you can just hit the power button again and hit a, a couple times and you're right back where you picked up. Yeah, does it, yes. does it just save immediately where you were? No, it just like goes to sleep and like you hit a, a couple times and the game's right back where it was. What happens is true. The battery runs out while you've got it in sleep mode, or is it shutting off when you do that? It, the battery does not run very quick on on sleep mode. Like you could probably leave it for a day or two and it would not. But it mm. runs on the the plug type for it is like a standard Samsung. 
Samsung okay. like plug right now, so like you would have probably plugs it's for it and stuff. Yeah. Like a micro USB or something. But the battery does. If it's asleep, the battery does not run very quick. Well, I'll keep that in mind, and we'll see what uh, what breaks loose of it. All right. So where were we on the Mario front? Um, I think like Matt and you were discussing that you you both had pretty big gaps, and we were kind of talking about some of the new stuff. Um, because yeah. I, I was recommending him. I think I said Odyssey. Well, like I said, I'll put it in the back of my mind and see if there's a way to work it out. What is it? I don't know if we've, I don't know if we, because we, we kind of broke it up and we might have talked about it last time, but let's go around the table real quick and then we'll call it a night on this one. What, um, what is each of your favorite Mario game out of like the whole selection? Why don't we start with Matt? Put him on the spot uh, first. Wow. Uh, this is tough to say because there's like probably like a hundred Mario games or more. Uh, and I mean, some of the, the, like if you really go even to like the most modern ones for the switch, you get some really advanced stuff. Uh, and I feel like a lot of people might say like, like something like super Mario galaxy or, or you know, uh, or Super Mario RPG. Like, I personally, I still love Super Mario 2. It's still, like, the one I play, like, so much. Or were you, were you talking about more modern level, level stuff? No, anything can be, anything's game. Because I would... Right, I would still say Super Mario Brothers 2, even though it's, like, vastly different from other Mario games. It's a bizarre odyssey of a, it's a bizarre oddity of a game in general. Mm-hmm. Like, there's things it does that I don't think I've ever seen a video game quite do since. Mm-hmm. Like the whole picking up like stuff and throwing it at enemies, or even picking up enemies and throwing at enemies. Like, I think it really stands out because it has so much personality to it. Like the bosses do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really good pick. It has so much of its own flavor that, um, gosh, like you said, Brad, it, I don't. There hasn't really ever been anything that really directly compared to it, has there? No, I don't think so because, and I kind of want, I, I feel like I need to revisit it more as an adult because there's a lot of variance between the characters that I think went over my head as a kid because I was probably, I was probably eight the first time I played this. Yeah. And there's things like, um, like Peach's like hover ability is really obvious as a kid and the fact that Toad was the pick things up the easiest, but I think like I Luigi's jump mechanic is really strange to me, and I kind of want to experience that as a as an adult because I think am I right that he's really floaty, but he has the most height to his jump? Yeah, I remember that very well. Um, thinking back on it, it seems like he you would get the most control on jumps out of Luigi, but you know, like you said, as a kid at the time, he was at seven or eight years old. Now I want to fly. That's fine. But I also think it benefits from, I've revisited Mario three as an adult and there's something about Mario three. That's too frustrating to me. Now it feels a little unfair and too difficult. Hmm. I haven't, I haven't played it that much recently. I, um, 
I actually should probably play that again. It's, I I almost feel like I agree with you. I feel like a lot of a lot of the game was manageable even like back in the day, but some of those levels, like the especially like the the battleship levels that had the uh, the camera, like those were like fucking difficult and when you get to like world the last world and you get those stages that's just like oh hey look you're going through like bowser's navy and bowser's tank army those stages just got obnoxious with like the cannonballs flying everywhere yes yes yeah you're you're (laughs) you ain't wrong so i think i think if i had to pick i'd go off to mario rpg or Thousand Year Door. If I was to stick to a mainline Mario game, <sighs> there's just something magical about the first one to me. I don't know. I think that's nostalgia from being a kid. The first one, the second one, and World are like ones I really love mm-hmm. and revisit a lot. Um, but I would say RPG is probably my favorite game with a Mario in it. That's mine, too. Um, it is... First of all, it's heartbreaking that, that Square Enix is, owns Geno and Malo, so you're never going to see him in a Smash Brothers game or something. Uh, I, I would love it. But there is not only so much personality in Mario RPG, but there is... Uh, I don't know. It feels like it builds the world out in a way that no one had before. And it, it it's fun. It's never, except for the, the Yoshi races, it's never unfair. I feel like you know, it might I be okay. hard. I replayed it as an adult. And for some reason, the Yoshi races were really easy as an adult, which I could, but I couldn't do them for some reason as a teenager. It's really weird. Yeah, I, I don't um, – I just remember them being really – I'd have to bust out my old SNES for it. But I remember that being really hard, and I couldn't figure why. But just the the stories and the way everything worked out and, and that sort of – and the teams you could build and the different dynamics, like I really, really enjoyed that. It was, it was like Square Enix making a game – that forced them to not get too far up their own ass in terms of what they were doing and that it helped it being grounded in familiar characters and, and that sort of stuff just made it really, really enjoyable for me. I liked the low level cap in that. Cause I think max level was level 30, which made every level up feel like a big deal. Um, yeah. There were some cool things with that, like getting like to choose a, a random, boost on those um yeah i think my preferred party through most of the game once i had everyone was mario bowser and peach i think was my that's the classic because mario has had the multiple damage types peach had the the healing out the wazoo and bowser was just this damage machine not just damage machine but he had such a high hp and defense level that he was like a tank you know he yeah between the like, I real like, I really liked Malo because he could. He was kind of like playing the mage in South Park, South Park Stick of Truth. You had whatever element you needed 
if if you were in an, a fight where it had different elemental he had, stuff. He had AOE. That's because that the one thing one drawback about Mario, Peach, and Bowser is that party is not good against the Axum Rangers because you need no. AOE stuff. And the the Axum Rangers are hilarious because it's essentially like a Power Rangers yeah. um, parody <laughs> in the game. It is. It's really good. Um, but that that's the one. Like, if you're going to take out the Axum Rangers, you knock out the pink one first because she's got all the heals. And she heals a lot. Yes, she does. You've got to you've got to pile on. You've either got to pile out so much damage that she can't keep everyone up, or you've got to pile on so much single target on her, which I think I used Geno for um, with his blasts. But you find the lazy shell weapon for Mario. You put the lazy shell armor on Peach, and then the third slot is almost incidental. You can I, I beat Smithy with. Mario, Peach, and every other person you could put in that slot. So, I haven't played that in a yeah. long time. I should play that again. Yeah, but that that would if I'm gonna pick a um, a main series one, I'm probably gonna pick three because I remember the uh, you know I was young enough when one came out that it was all so new that I didn't have any feeling or grasp of nuance two came out and I was just starting to get that but three you're starting to understand the strategy of when do you go to this world when do you skip it when do you go hit the the power up spots on the map that sort of stuff so see I was a little older and I know Matt probably had this experience like I came into like the first Mario game playing like Atari games and like the concept of like bosses in the game having an actual ending like just blew blew my fragile little child mind. So I didn't really play a lot of Atari games. Um, it, that was not exact, not before my time because I'm actually even I'm a little older than you. But I don't know. I I never had that, and no one I knew had Atari games. So like oh, Nintendo see, my dad was kind had of an Atari, so um, they were in the house. Uh, Nintendo. Hmm, Nintendo was kind of like the first experience for me. Um, but now, like, I, I think I mentioned this maybe in, like, the first uh, Mario episode we did, but my wife and I, like, in recent years, like, we went, we visited her family in San Antonio, which is, and, like, she had, like, her old school, like, Nintendo from back in the day. And we played, we, like, were, we became obsessed <laughs> over the course of a weekend with playing the original Mario. And, that's weird because and that's why I kind of maybe I kind of want to play Super Mario Bros. Three again as an adult. Like playing Mario the first Mario now as an adult, it was it seemed way easier. It is because like for me it's easier because as an adult you have you understand like the concept of momentum. Yeah, and you and have I, pattern recognition. Yes, I was. I, that's, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like I feel like at least with the first Mario game, the the patterns don't change there's no like variation so if you if you recognize enough of the patterns you can kind of almost we were almost like speed running like i'm not really good with like speed running i don't try to do speed running but we were almost like speed running through the game and, and i think as an adult i i have more patience with it than as a kid and like the mm. lives don't mean as much to me and like a game over isn't as big a deal and the thing i found out as an adult is the first mario <laughs> game actually really reward you for being aggressive on your jumps and stuff and like the best way if a jump like a series of jumps looks looks hard is just to be like ah fuck it and go for it and just <laughs> if you die you die yeah but it that also was... um as a kid though you tended to want to warp as far ahead as you could but like as an adult 
I played through it every stage at a time. And the game's actually really smart because it teaches you to do every jump like one at a time. So then when you get to the end, you know how to do everything because the game slowly like taught you yeah, mm-hmm. all this stuff. But yeah, I found it as an adult, it was easier because like I understood stuff, like I recognized patterns, but also I didn't care as much. So being more aggressive, like the game really seems to reward that. But right. I, w- I will say when, when I was playing 35 though, and I kind of got that as an adult, like you don't realize how vulnerable you feel when you, when you're either just big Mario or little Mario and like how fragile you are and how much having like the fireballs just makes everything easier. <laughs> you have a lot of value. I, I think part of it, at least for me when I was a kid in putting so much, putting so much value in not being aggressive and wanting to stay alive. Um, you know what? I need to stop and think for a second, but I may be revising my mainline answer, but it's just the fact that in my house, once, once you went down, you had to pass the controller. Oh yeah. And, but you know, I need to I actually do need to revise my answer because I was going to say three, and then I stopped and thought, and I'm like, no, not three. Super Mario World is yeah, going to be the one. that. That's what it's going to be because there was. Um, I remember the the sense of anticipation because <clears throat> the Walmart where I lived had a display model set up, and you would have people lined up there to take a shot at it, and there's just this. There was just this like, oh man, that would be so cool. And then if if, if my brother and I like saved up and pooled our money and bought one, and we're playing, you know, here we are, we're getting this thing that we'd only gotten to play in like brief spurts in our turn in line at the store. Now we just get to play at home, um, and. There, there's all that feeling that's tied up in it, and it's also it's got really good gameplay. It had the introduction of, you know, new characters. That's where Yoshi was introduced, and you know who doesn't love Yoshi, um, and just all the all those pieces coming together, and you get to be like, oh man, you know, this is this was this was a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, and and yeah it i didn't realize the mechanic I, I guess i just never thought about it but the mechanic of a game teaching you what to do as you go through until i started playing like portal where it's just like oh oh right right this stage is teaching you how to do this thing this stage is teaching you how to do this thing so that you're going to revisit it later that makes sense I will say Um, about the first game, and I think Matt and I have talked about this off air, and I think you totally agree with me, but if you play the first game, the Hammer Brothers are by far the hardest enemy in that whole game. Because they're the one thing you can't quite predict. mm Mm-hmm. They throw so fast. And the arc is hard to predict, and if you don't have a fire plant, they're really tough. Yeah. That's true. They're in the last Bowser Castle, too, because I think... I think when I was trying to beat it a couple years ago, I was like, if I got to the Bowser Castle and I was just little Mario, I'm like, I'm not going to. Yeah, that that actually was when we were playing through it again. That was actually the biggest like um, impediment because 
we could get past them, but that would basically like we would get down to little Mario, and then it becomes uh, kind of difficult to get past Bowser at the final stage. Because he has hammers uh, by the end, doesn't he? Yeah. So I mean, if you were if you at least had like your your uh, a power up, you you could make it past them. But you just take Mario, the hit and then. Yeah, the you take the hit. Invincible. You take the hit, and then you got it. But uh, if you're little Mario, which we usually were, like that, that was tricky then. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like luck. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for this episode. So next week we yeah. are going to be doing. I think did we agree on we're going to be doing a, a, a sequel to our music episode that was 80s versus 90s. This time we're going to be yeah. focusing on I think 1996 to about 2005, which yeah. kind of encompass our our high school college phase i think all high school college like super early adulthood phases for each of us i think so yeah all right well everybody out there we've been talking about mario and other things we would love to hear from you do you agree with us on our mario picks are you a Discworld fan heck i don't know we would love to do you have a switch pitch for me Please hit us up on our social media. We would love to hear from you. We're open to requests. So this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.